Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is going on, everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, I'm going to ease my way back into making FPL videos. It feels like a lifetime ago that I last made one. And we're going to talk about Salah and Son replacements, as well as whether it's worth selling both of those players in game week 21, especially with thoughts around double game weeks, getting Harlem back and stuff like that. So if you enjoyed the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and let's jump into it. So let's start by talking about whether or not you should sell Son and Salah in game week 21, which might sound like a bit of a stupid thing to think about because they're away on international duty. A lot of people have sold Harden and therefore need funds to get him back. So why wouldn't you sell both of them? But there is a potential Liverpool double game week on the horizon that we need to think about as well. So holding on to Salah might have become a little bit more viable. Ultimately, you need to be thinking about how you can get Harden back in the fewest moves and how you're going to fund that if you've sold him and what you're going to do about Salah if you do get rid of him. How will you bring him back in? And I'll go through that um, as we discuss both players. With Son, I think he's a pretty easy sell in game week 21. I can't think of too many reasons to keep hold of him. I guess for most people, the funds for Haaland are going to come from Salah because he's more expensive. But I think with Son, when you look at the fixtures, and I guess it's worth saying we don't know when they're going to be back from international duty. It might be that they get knocked out early and they're available straight away. But I think for both of these players, we should expect them to miss at least a couple of games. So Son's obviously unavailable for 21, probably going to miss Brentford at home. Game week 26, um, Spurs played Chelsea away. Now, Chelsea are still in the Carabao Cup semi-finals, and that's played over two legs. They've got Middlesbrough, so the chances are they're going to go through to the final. It might not happen, but over two legs, you would expect Chelsea to win, and therefore Spurs would blank in game week 26. So potentially, if you keep hold of Son, you're going to miss two game weeks at least, and then have Everton away, Brighton at home, Wolves at home, which are not bad fixtures, but then another blank in game week 26. After that, they've got Palace at home and Villa away. And then 29 is Fulham away. Now, if one of Spurs or Fulham get to the FA Cup quarterfinals, Spurs would then also blank in 29. So I just I, I just think eventually Son's going to have to go anyway. So you might as well just bring in a new midfielder and get those points 
right now. So for me, unless I'm missing something, which I might be, right? I've had like a week off from FPL. I don't see too many reasons to keep hold of Som. With Salah, it's a little bit trickier because of what happened in the FA Cup last night. So Liverpool beat Arsenal, um, and therefore they're going to be one of the favourites to get through to the quarterfinals. So they could blank in game week 29. All right, so if I just bring up Liverpool's fixtures here. So all it would take is one of Liverpool or Everton to get through to the quarterfinals, and they blank in 29. But they're also still in the Carabao Cup against West Ham, I think it is. Again, over two legs, you would expect Liverpool to go through. And if that happens, they will also blank in game week 26. Now, because I don't want to go into too much detail here, mostly because I'm not really up on the fixtures like, you know, Ben Credin and James from Planet FPL, people like that. But basically, because they've gone through in the FA Cup, there is a high chance that if they get to the Carabao Cup final, this Luton game in 26 will be postponed and it will get put into game week 25. So potentially Liverpool are going to have a double of Brentford away and Luton at home which you're probably going to want Salah for. But obviously, in the short term, he's missing game week 21 against Bournemouth away. It's then Chelsea at home and Arsenal away, where he's not really you know, going to be needed, even if he was available. You're not probably not going to captain him in either of those games. But then he's got Burnley at home in 24. So potentially, if your team looked okay for game week 21 by just selling Son, you could keep hold of Salah and wait and see what happens with double game week announcements and stuff like that. It's worth saying... and. I know this time of the season gets a bit complicated. Even sometimes when I'm talking about it, I'm confusing myself. But because of the long turnarounds with deadlines in January, so the game week 22 deadline is not till the 31st of January, we will know whether Liverpool have gone through in the FA Cup fourth round, so how likely they are to get to the quarterfinals, but also we'll know the Carabao Cup results as well. So some people are considering not selling Salah in 21, getting more information in 22, and then making a decision from there. Now, you might look at it and say, they're probably going to get to the quarterfinals. They're probably going to get to the Carabao Cup final. Therefore, we can say they're likely to double in 25. That's correct. But having it all kind of locked in almost, then lets you think about chip strategy as well. Because what if all of a sudden, free hitting game week 25 looks really good, then you wouldn't necessarily need to bring Salah back. You could just get rid of him and just bring him back on your second wild card later on. It's also worth saying, I don't want to confuse things too much, that Man City might also double in 25. And there is the still Bournemouth versus Luton game that needs to be rearranged at some point as well. Um, so there's a lot to think about. But I am myself, like if I quickly just go through my team, I could just sell Son and play like a 3-4-3 or a 4-3-3 and just bench Salah for one week. I don't know if it would make a huge amount of difference getting rid of him this week. And as we're going to discuss in a minute... There's not a huge amount of standout midfielders to bring in in game week 21 anyway. So I could just delay that decision until 22. So for me, I think Son's a pretty easy sell. Like if he was back for game weeks 22, 23, 24, of course he could do damage. But they're very likely to blank a couple of times later anyway. And I'd rather just get the points from my new midfielder now. With Salah, it's a little bit trickier. We're pretty... I would say with some confidence, we know what's going to happen with the doubles and blanks. But if you want to get it absolutely locked in or get closer to that point, then you could just wait until game week 22 instead. So in terms of replacements, I want to talk about Jared Bowen because when I was looking at Son replacements for my own squad, he was one of the more popular choices that I was considering. 
But after what happened in the FA Cup yesterday, I'm not sure I can buy him anymore because at the end of the game, it looked like he picked up a bit of an injury and almost had to be helped a little bit off the pitch. Now, I don't want to scaremonger. It could be absolutely nothing. It might just be an impact injury and he's perfectly fine by the next league game. And if I owned him, I certainly wouldn't sell him. And they don't play again for two weeks, which is good for recovery, but not for information. And that's why I think it's now difficult to bring Bowen into your team if you don't already own him. So the Burnley versus Luton game has been moved for game week 21. So the deadline is now Friday the 12th of January. And I'm sure you're already aware of this, but that game week is split over two weekends. So although the deadline is the 12th of January, West Ham don't play until the 21st. So again, that's good for recovery, but we might not hear from David Moyes ahead of Friday's deadline, which is a problem because we don't know whether he's fit to play. Now they do have an FA Cup replay third round replay but again that's after the deadline as well so in terms of information it's now difficult to know whether bowen is fit if i had to guess he'll be fine right because he's one of those players that always plays but without knowing more about what happened i just don't think you can buy him right and if you're going to miss sheffield united away bournemouth at home's okay and to be honest man united away is not that bad either but then it's arsenal at home and if there's a doubt that he if there's a doubt about him playing in 21, and then you've got Arsenal away, uh, sorry, Arsenal as well over the next four game weeks, I just don't think it's necessarily worth it. And if you want a bit more kind of confirmation bias for that decision, um, Pakatar also went off injured in that FA Cup game. And obviously he's one of the creative sparks in that West Ham team. For what it's worth, I don't think that Kudus missing is that big for Bowen. I don't think it really matters that much. Obviously Kudus is a quality player, You'd expect him to be scoring more than kind of setting Bowen up. I think Pakatar is a bigger loss. So him missing out and Bowen now being flagged means I'm not sure we can buy him. So unless we get news before game week 21 deadline to say Bowen is perfectly fine, I'd probably just avoid him for now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So let's talk about Richarlison next. Only 6.9 million. And he's someone that I think in the short term is actually a pretty good FPL pick. But as you're going to see as we go through all of these players, none of them are perfect. So what are the positives with Richarlison? Well, one, his goal threat is decent, right? He scored five goals in the last five league matches. He's playing in that number nine role. And over the season, he's got the underlying stats to back that up as well. 0.6 expected goals per 90. And obviously with Son away, he's going to continue or almost certainly continue playing in that number nine position. I'll come on to Timo Werner in a second. And even when Son was playing the last couple of games, Richarlison was still through the middle. And I think while he keeps up these performances, that will continue. And I also think with Son out, there's someone else that needs to take penalties. And Madison is also injured at the moment as well. So that probably will be Richarlison. So I think in some ways, Son missing is a good thing in terms of penalties. But in terms of Spurs' overall performances, Son might be a bit of a miss. And I think in general... Ange Postacoglu is a very positive manager and Spurs have done all right despite the injuries they've got. But the amount of injuries they have at the moment is continuing to kind of creep up. When they get a player back, they lose another one. So I think overall, Son missing is probably a 
net positives for for Richarlison, but it's it's pretty close because I think overall they are just losing quality players. But given how positive Ange Postecoglou is and the fixtures the Spurs have got as well, that is why I think in the short term he's pretty decent because Man United away on paper. It could maybe in the past be a difficult game, but Man United defence has been awful this season. So has Spurs. If that game is nil-nil, I don't think I would believe you even if I watched it, right? I just think there's goals in that game. There has to be. Brentford at home is not bad. Everton away is arguably the most difficult game of the next four game weeks. And then you've got Brighton at home. Obviously, a real lack of clean sheets this season. Then it's Wolves at home in 25. So I think in general with his price and everything else he offers at the moment, that's a pretty good fixture run for the next four to five game weeks. The only issues are, if Spurs sign Timo Werner, will that affect Richarlison's minutes? And I think it probably will. And I'm not saying he suddenly gets benched, but that is another attacker that they could bring on for him. It might be that Werner plays off the left and Richarlison still through the middle, but we could see some early subs for Richarlison. If we look at his um, recent minutes, he played 81 against Bournemouth, 64 against Brighton, 62 against Everton, 71 against Forest. He's not getting 90 minutes every single game. And if Werner is signed, that could just make that even worse. Obviously, when Son and Madison are back as well, that could affect minutes, penalties, and stuff like that too. Although, I wouldn't be massively concerned about that right now. The other thing is, as I've already discussed with Son earlier, they're probably going to blank in 26, and they'll almost certainly blank in 29. So it does feel like a bit of a short-term move, which is not necessarily a problem. But I guess you've got to think about you know, if he starts losing his place around 24 or 25, or they blank in 26, do you have another spare transfer to get rid of him later on? Because the Salah and Liverpool double game week does complicate matters. Because if they double in 25, it's because they're blanking in 26. So that's another bunch of plays that you've got to deal with. And like I said, it might be that free hit 25 becomes an option. But if you free hit in 25, and then you're still left with Richarlison who's blanking in 26... It's not ideal. So that is why I'm saying that none of the picks on this list are absolutely perfect. There isn't a standout best option. For what it's worth, I think the points he could get over the next four to five might be worth the risk. But it really depends on how many other issues you might have to deal with as well. So if you're taking Son and Salah out and then you need more transfers to get Haaland, more transfers to get Salah back, it might just be better to go for a player you know you don't have to worry about. It's not blanking anytime soon. It's not going to lose his place and is not susceptible to being uh, kind of substituted early because of other players. So I really like Richarlison. And I think right now, if I had to say who I'm bringing in, it's probably him. But I am no way 100% decided on that. All right, let's move to Man City and talk about Phil Foden next. And a bit like Richarlison, he's in great form at the moment. Got another couple of goals in the FA Cup at the weekend. And I know people will mention the opposition and stuff like that. But I still think it's great to see him scoring. And it's not like he hasn't been returning in the league either. So in game week 20, he got two assists against Sheffield United plus the three bonus points. Goal against Everton in game week 19. Uh, obviously, they blanked in 18, but in 17 against Palace, he got an assist as well. There was a goal against Spurs in game week 14. And he has been, as he always tends to be, pretty consistent when he gets minutes. So he started 17 times this season, and he's got five goals, six assists. So with minutes, Foden tends to be pretty good. And in terms of fixtures, okay, on paper, Newcastle away might not be great, but they haven't defended brilliantly recently. And then they've got Burnley at home, Brentford away, Everton at home in 24. All pretty good. And then they've got this possible double in game week 25, which would be Chelsea at home, plus their uh, previously postponed game from game week 18, Brentford at home. 
So that all looks great, right? If Foden keeps playing, the fixtures they've got, the double game week, only 7.8 million. What is there not to like? Well, what's there not to like? Possible rotation. Because in the FA Cup yesterday, De Bruyne and Doku both came on in the 57th minute. And that potentially affects Foden's game time down the line. Now, Pep did make a comment recently that both Foden and De Bruyne could both play together centrally in some games. But that's not going to happen in every single game because you could see De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva central. It could mean that Foden still plays, but he plays on the right instead. That might damage his overall attacking potential. It's just all these... It's just... It's the, it's the Pep... Get my words out here. It's the Pep roulette, basically. And I don't think it's an issue in the short term because De Bruyne is only just back from injury. I think it's going to be a few more appearances off the bench before he starts matches. And they're going to want him fully fit for the Champions League and stuff like that. But I think you you want, if you're going to bring Foden in, you want him for that double in game week 25. And it might be that he gets enough minutes and enough points in the means, like in the short term, where even if he only plays one game of that double, he might still be worth bringing in. I, I just don't know whether I want that headache. And I think you've got to be, I talk about this a lot, you've got to be a certain type of FPL manager to buy someone like Foden. And I know that sounds crazy, right? Because we're just trying to pick the players that score the most points. But I'm telling you now, there is a lot of managers out there that the first time Foden gets benched, they will panic. And then they'll worry about the double game week and they'll just want to sell him. And if that is you, don't buy him. Just go for someone that you know is going to consistently start every single week. But for what it's worth, I think the risk could be, it could be worth it, right? You've got 13th of January is the game against Newcastle. The first game of game week 25 will be the 17th of February. Is De Bruyne going to build up enough fitness? Can Doku stay fit to force Foden out of that team? Maybe, maybe not. And that is where you decide whether that risk is worth taking. For me, I don't know. I think I'd rather just leave my Man City options until as late as possible. Because if another injury occurs, it might be that a different player is better instead. And I, I just want more info on Man City. I think if it was Burnley at home this week and Newcastle away in 22, I might be more tempted. But I feel like if Newcastle could get somewhere close to their best in terms of defending this week, they could keep the score down a little bit. I still expect Man City to probably go and score two, maybe three goals. But if Newcastle perform at home, they can make that match difficult. So maybe delaying it until game week 22 might be the best course of action. But in general, my opinion about Foden is always the same. If he gets minutes, he, he's great. I'm just not sure about that in the medium to long term. So Eze is the cheapest option I'm going to talk about in this video. And I think for most people, because you're selling Salah and Son, there's a lot of money left over for whichever midfielders you want to bring in. And if you're comparing Eze to any of the other options, in most cases, you'd probably rather have the other player. If Bowen was fully fit, I'm sure most people would rather have him over Eze. If Foden continues to get minutes and has that double game week, he looks like a great option as well. But you should factor in the fact that Eze only costs $6 million because down the line, that might help you with your other transfers, especially if you want Trent, Salah, and Haaland because they're all really expensive options and you need cheaper players elsewhere. So if I just show you an example on my team, I've got $1.4 in the bank as it stands. And if I sell Son to Eze, I think it leaves me with 4.8. Yeah, 4.8 million, which is not enough to do Alvarez to Haaland. I would still need 2.2. But by having Eze, it gives me other options to how I get that 2.2 million. Now, I could just sell Salah, of course. That would be really easy. 
um, in which case I wouldn't even need to buy Eze in the first place. But if Liverpool double in 25, I will want Salah, even if Man City double as well, and I end up captaining Haaland, I'm not going to want to go into a double game without Salah. So I need to factor that into my decisions. And if Liverpool are doubling, we're probably going to want Trent as well. So by going for Eze at 6 million, that leaves me the option of selling Saka instead for a 6.5 million midfielder, which could be someone like, I don't know, like Gross at 6.4. So that midfield on paper, Eze, Gordon, Palmer and Gross doesn't look great. It certainly doesn't look as good as my midfield has over the last kind of five to 10 game weeks. But ultimately, if you want Haaland, Salah and Trent, there has to be sacrifices. And if they, if both of those teams double, they're the three players that I would probably want. So I think as a, yeah, compared to some of the other players in isolation is not as good. But at 6 million, he offers a lot. We know he's nailed on. The last couple of games he started, played 85 minutes plus. He should continue to start. With Elise out, okay, that maybe makes Palace overall not so good. But it also means Eze would definitely be on penalties as well. And after Arsenal away in 21, you've got Sheffield United at home, Brighton away, uh, Chelsea at home in 24, Everton away in 25, Burnley at home in 26. It's not the worst fixture run you could get either. And for six million, nailed on player, good underlying stats as well, going to take a lot of set pieces. I think he's a decent option. I don't know whether buying him this week is great for Arsenal away, but down the line, it could be someone that you look at. Like for my team, I... I don't know if I would buy Eze this week because of the, the Arsenal away game, but you could order the transfers a little bit differently. So let's just say I do Son to Richarlison. Then if I decide I want to sell Salah in game week 22, I could still get Eze for that. Was Sheffield United at home? I think it was. I've forgotten the fixture already. <laughs> yeah, Sheffield United at home. That gives me loads of money to get Haaland in. And then later on down the line, if I want to get Salah back, then I've got the option of doing Saka to Salah, and plus I'd obviously have to fund that by downgrading one more player. But that's fine. I should have the chances to do that later on. So even if I wanted to sell Salah now, getting Eze might still be the best option. And that's another reason why at the start I said that you don't necessarily need to sell both Son and Salah this week, because if you've got a team that looks okay on paper, and there's a player you want to bring in who doesn't have a good fixture until 22, like Foden and Eze, then that's perfectly viable thing to do like for me if i was looking at my own team i know i always use this as a reference but hopefully it helps you think about your own team like Eze against arsenal away is that better than gordon against man city at home probably not so if i sell son for someone else i don't really need Eze in this team but i do think he is someone to give serious consideration to because of what he's going to offer from a value perspective so i know people are going to think this is absolutely crazy especially with what happened earlier on in the season when i owned him but I haven't completely ruled out buying Bruno Fernandes. I mean, I've 95% ruled it out, just not completely. Because the one thing he offers you is guaranteed starts and guaranteed minutes. And some of the other players we've spoken about on this list are good in the short term, but long term they might become a little bit more of an issue. I also think that Man United's fixtures on paper are not as bad as they might look. I already spoke earlier about how the Man United defence in terms of expected goals conceded this season has been awful. Well, so is Spurs. And they might have Van der Ven back this week, which would obviously help them. But overall, they have not been a watertight defence. So playing Spurs at home is not that bad. Then it's Wolves away, West Ham at home, Villa away, Luton away, and Fulham at home in game week 26. So the next six game weeks are not perfect. But they're not terrible and we know he's going to play he's first choice penalty taker as well some people mentioned to me that you know he's missed a penalty gave one to rashford he's still going to be first choice penalty taker for man united i got no 
um, kind of doubts about that. But that's kind of where the slight positives end. Outside of that, his goal threat is down on last year. Man United looked, for the most part, terrible in most games. They played a right against Villa, but they were poor against Nottingham Forest. They played a right against Chelsea a few weeks ago, but were poor after that. There's no consistency there. But part of me thinks, can it get any worse? Surely, if, if at this point anything's going to happen, it's going to be some slight improvement. Um, and he has underperformed on his expected assists as well. So he's put up 0.29 expected assists per 90. He's only had an assist 0.16 per 90. So maybe there's a little bit of underperformance there. But even as I'm talking about, I'm just not sure I can talk myself into it. The other issue is he's on seven yellow cards. So he's a yellow card magnet. And if he gets three more, he's suspended for two matches. And who's to say that he won't get those three over the next four to five game weeks? And I think the problem for me, it's not it's not a guarantee that the player you bring in is definitely the one that you sell later on. So if you were to go for like a Richarlison or a Foden or an Eze or someone like that, it might be that you sell a different player to be able to fund Harlan or to get Salah back in, whichever way you kind of, you know, do your transfers. And I don't know if I want to get stuck with Bruno Fernandes. Whereas if I bring in an Eze, who costs 2.2 million less, has as good, if not slightly better underlying stats, and is also on penalties, that is probably just a better long-term move. So I, I don't know. I, I can see myself on Friday, close to the deadline, just thinking, what the hell, I'm going to bring Bruno Fernandes in. Because the fact that no one wants to go for him means he's a big differential. His overall ownership is less than 10%. I think he is capable of good returns. And he is one of those players, that if he gets an assist, or something like that. He's very close to kind of two or three bonus. So he can get a big score from nowhere. We just haven't seen many of those big scores this season. And as I talk about this for this video, I just don't know if I can do it to myself. So I wouldn't rule Fernandez out completely. I would definitely think about him. But I'm sure most of you will end up going somewhere else. Right, so this is going to sound a little bit controversial. But keep in mind, I'm only thinking about FPL points here. We're not getting into a tactical discussion about how these players help their team overall and stuff like that but if you look at expected goals per 90 and expected assists per 90 which are good indicators of future returns and therefore fpl points is martin odegaard not just bruno fernandez without the guaranteed penalties because bruno fernandez expected goals this season are 0.15 per 90 odegaard is 0.14 so slightly behind and expected assists fernandez was 0.29 per 90 and odegaard is 0.25 so he's slightly behind and doesn't have those guaranteed penalties either, unless Saka just gives him one. And that is why I just, I don't know, call it a gut feeling or whatever you want. It's just something that tells me Odegaard is not a fantastic pick. Like, I think he's fine, but it doesn't like, I don't think there's anything exciting about him from an FPL point of view. Like, the fixtures are okay. You know he's always going to play. His minutes are good as well. And he's another player, to be fair, like Fernandez. that if he gets a return he probably will go and get you some bonus as well. And therefore, one assist could be worth like seven to eight points. And I get that, right? And that's why I think he's a perfectly fine pick. But I just find it funny that we completely rule out Bruno Fernandes, who's definitely first choice penalty taker, with slightly better stats than Odegaard so far this season. So he's ruled out, but Odegaard is a pick that we can look at. Like I don't think the fixtures on paper are that much better for Arsenal. And overall, Arsenal are, of course, a better team and a better attack definitely a better defense as well but as an individual fpl pick is odegaard that much better than fernandez i'm not sure he is i guess the one thing he has in his favor 
I mean, for a lot, of, for some of you, you're probably thinking he has a lot in his favour. But the one thing for sure is the yellow cards, right? Odegaard's had one all season. He's nowhere near getting banned, and that could be enough reason on its own to go for him. But I don't know. I don't really have too much more to say about. It. Like, I think he's fine. I don't think the Arsenal attack has necessarily clicked as well as it did last year. I think no Zinchenko isn't helping at the moment either. But I do think Odegaard is just an all-round okay pick. And maybe it's Man United bias. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see how we can rule one player out and say that the other player is definitely an option. For me, I think I'd still probably rather go for an Eze or Richarlison, maybe even a risk on Foden over Odegaard. But subconsciously, I'm maybe a little bit biased because I already have Saliba, Gabriel, and Saka, so I can't buy him anyway. I guess that's also another consideration. If you might want a different triple up on Arsenal later on. You could consider just not buying Odegaard so he doesn't block that. But I think for most people, that's not going to be a massive worry because you can always fix that on wildcard. You're not likely to, you know, really need to bring in Raya or someone like that in goal. So, yeah, I'm going to end this video by saying I think Odegaard is fine. It's just something about him as a pick that doesn't really, I don't know, just doesn't excite me for FPL. I think I could see myself buying Fernandez before I buy Odegaard. But for my team, it's a little bit different. I'm going to leave it there. I know before you tell me, I haven't mentioned every midfielder that's possible to bring in. Douglas Louise, for example. Pascal Gross, people are probably looking at, among others as well. Cole Palmer, although I think he's probably um, quite highly owned already. I can discuss them in other videos this week. I'll be doing game week preview on uh, Wednesday, transfer tips tomorrow, team selection on Thursday, and final thoughts on Friday. So if you're happy the FPL videos are back here, make sure to give this one a like, hit that subscribe button. Otherwise, I will catch you tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.